you've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Black Man with the Gun Show. You know, I think spring is finally here. I'm hoping that you're doing okay this week. This time, we got attorney Andrew Branca explaining the stand your ground law, the misconceptions, and all of that in his Law of Self-Defense feature. Michael J. Woodland is back from the National Rifle Association's annual meeting, and he has the wide-eyed look of somebody who's seen it for the first time. And if you've been around the gun community for a while, that's a nice look to have. Gonna let him share his enthusiasm with you, as he did with me. And finally, for you pros out there, Barbara Baird of Women's Outdoor News gives us the inside baseball tip for gun bloggers on how a professional gun writer does a gun review for major publications. Welcome to episode number 568. Blackmanwithagun.com, Ken Blanchard's pro-gun podcast. You know, I still look at the calendar and go, 2018? And I've been doing this since 2007? Yeah, it's been a minute. Thank you for being a part of my world. If you want to check out some of the posts and some of the background information on yours truly, you'll find it at blackmanwithagun.com. And I've held that little piece of real estate since Y2K. Did you know that one of the reasons that they have music in church is so that we can all be on one accord, all be singing the same music? And one of the ways I do it here is by playing this. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation. Under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, first off, one of the things that comes up in the gun community quite often, especially for the new people and those who are curious about why we believe in the Second Amendment and all that, is stand your ground. And this week, attorney Andrew Branca, in his segment of the Law of Self-Defense, touches on that. I want to play that for you first so that you can hear that nice and fresh in your mind. And then after that, Michael J. Wooden is going to give us his experiences at his first National Rifle Association annual meeting. Thanks for joining us for the Law of Self-Defense Case of the Week. I'm attorney Andrew Branca for LawofSelfDefense.com. This week's case is State v. Martin out of the Florida Court of Appeals and a decision handed down on May 4th, 2018. The defendant here, Mr. Martin, was out on the town with his girlfriend when the two of them got into a confrontation with each other. The girlfriend would claim that he punched her twice in the face after she refused to get back in their vehicle. He would claim that it was he who refused to get back in the vehicle. She therefore threatened him with a firearm, and in attempting to disarm her, he accidentally elbowed her in the face and somehow got himself shot in the arm. The defendant would end up charged with one count of felony battery causing great bodily harm, and he filed a motion to establish immunity under Florida's self-defense immunity statute. The judge in that hearing denied him immunity. He went on to trial where he was convicted as charged. In the meantime, however, the Florida legislature had changed the rules for qualifying for self-defense immunity, and the defendant brought this appeal on the basis that he should get a new self-defense immunity trial under the new rules, essentially saying the new rules should be applied retroactively. This Court of Appeals decision agreed with him, vacated his conviction, and ordered that he receive a new self-defense immunity hearing under the new rules. Now, the case is worth reading in and of itself, and you can find this case at lawofselfdefense.com forward slash Martin. But for our purposes, the interesting facet of this case is it gives me an opportunity to clarify an area of confusion that many people seem to have based on inquiries we get here at Law of Self-Defense, and that is the difference between stand your ground and self-defense immunity. Unfortunately, when Florida adopted both stand your ground and self-defense immunity, they did so at the same time. And as a result, the term stand your ground has come to be applied to both these two things. They are, in fact, however, two completely different things. So let me explain. Stand your ground removes, waves one of the five elements of a self-defense claim. For your claim of self-defense to be valid, it must have up to five elements. 
innocence, eminence, proportionality, avoidance, and reasonableness. What stand your ground does is waive the element of avoidance. So now you only need four elements in your self-defense claim. The element of avoidance having to do with whether or not you have a legal duty to retreat before you can use force in self-defense. What stand your ground does was actually redefine self-defense. It expands the scope of conduct that qualifies as lawful self-defense because now conduct would be lawful, understand your ground, where it might not have been lawful before if you had had a safe avenue of retreat before using force. So stand your ground expands the scope of lawful self-defense. Self-defense immunity doesn't do anything like that. Self-defense immunity does not change the definition of self-defense. It doesn't make it either greater or lesser. It merely says that if your conduct qualifies as self-defense, however that might be defined in your jurisdiction, then under self-defense immunity, you can receive immunity from either criminal prosecution or civil suit, depending on whether your state allows for immunity for both or one or the other or neither of those. The states vary in the breadth of their self-defense immunity statutes. Some allow for only Criminal immunity, meaning you would be immune from criminal prosecution. Some allow for only civil immunity, meaning you would be immune from civil suit. And some allow for both. And unfortunately, some allow for neither in that they simply don't have a self-defense immunity statute. But self-defense immunity is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. It doesn't change what was an unlawful use of force in self-defense into a lawful use of force in self-defense. It merely says, if your use of force was lawful self-defense, then we can provide you with immunity. Now, having said that, if I had to choose between stand your ground and self-defense immunity, self-defense immunity is in the context of good guy cases of self-defense, far more important. I'm an advocate of stand your ground. I think it's good public policy. Right now, about 75% of states are stand your ground states, and I wish it was 100%. But the truth is, for good guy cases of self-defense, the kind of cases of self-defense we might find ourselves in, stand your ground is only rarely legally relevant because for most of us, if we have an opportunity to safely retreat from a fight rather than get into the fight, well, the smart folks amongst us take advantage of that opportunity. Not fighting at all is a great way for good guys like us to quote unquote win a fight. In contrast, self-defense immunity has application in every self-defense event because it can enable you to avoid the dilemma of the process being the punishment. A criminal trial can easily take months, perhaps years, cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And what self-defense immunity does is it short circuits that process. You don't need to go to a trial in order to get an adjudication of lawful self-defense if you can do that in a pre-trial self-defense immunity hearing. So instead of either having to rely on the favorable discretion of a prosecutor, in not bringing you to trial, which you might or might not get, that's his call, not your call, or alternatively, having to go through a full-blown trial and hope for a favorable jury verdict, with the self-defense immunity pre-trial hearing, you can have this determination made for a few thousands of dollars in the course of a few weeks and have the situation entirely resolved, assuming, of course, you're successful in the pre-trial immunity hearing. Absent self-defense immunity, you have no options other than hoping for the discretion of the prosecutor or a jury verdict. Bottom line, stand your ground and self-defense immunity are two entirely different things. Using the same term to apply to both of them only leads to confusion. If you enjoy this content, I invite you to join us for the Law of Self-Defense live show every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. It's totally free to either participate live or to watch the recording after each show. For more information, point your browser to lawselfdefense.com forward slash show. Remember, you carry a gun so you're hard to kill. Know the law so you're hard to convict. I'm attorney Andrew Branca for lawofselfdefense.com. Crossbreed holsters are some of the finest holsters in America. They are imitated for a reason. They sell holsters, belts, modular systems. The U.S. company that my friend Mark Craig had started in 2005 has been a supporter for you and I for almost a decade. Crossbreed Holsters has raised the standard for customer service in the holster industry through its two-week try-it-free guarantee 
and a lifetime warranty. You tried the rest, now get the best. Go to CrossbreedHolsters.com and tell them Ken sent you. CrossbreedHolsters.com And we're back with uh, my main man, Michael, who's fresh from the NRA annual meeting in Dallas, Texas. And I'm looking forward to hearing everything that happened. Man, what's up? Not too much. Had a great trip. Great experience. Met some good people. Overall, it was a good day. It was a good day. Well, actually, it was a good weekend. But How did it start for you? Um, started off kind of rough. Um, if you follow me on Instagram... I put some I pictures do. up um, of me like at the airport and the explosion happened at the airport or whatever happened in the background in Atlanta. That freaked me out because you know, I don't like to fly. Oh, yeah. I, I can't stand flying. <laughs> I can't stand it. My experience of sitting on an airplane, the seat in front of me was all on top of my knees on all trips. So I think that was a new norm in the plane industry where they took away the space and put more seats in so they can get more money. As soon as I touched down in Dallas, it was game on. It was like, let the party begin. For anybody who's never been to the NRA annual meeting, what do you see when you first show up? The first thing I noticed was all the cameras, all the security, and just the abundance of people. If you've never been to Dallas, you know, Dallas has a lot of tall buildings. So the downtown area, that kind of freaked me out because, you know, the tall buildings and anything could have happened. Because, you know, the president was there, of course, and they had certain roads blocked off, but it was just the way the area was. I don't think they could have covered every avenue that they wanted to. Outside of that, you know, it was the protesters, the people who was coming in and the different celebrities walking around, the vendors. It was a unique experience. If you never did it, I would say do it, you know. 87,000 people walking around. Very How'd you find people? Just walking. Like, literally, I was walking. I'll see somebody, and I'll be like, hey, what's up? Like, hey, you want to take a picture? Yeah, let's take a picture. <laughs> you know, it was, like, that easy. The floor is set up how? Like, uh, like a gun show? Yeah, it was set up like a gun show, but the hall that they used, it was um, a bi-level. One part was lower, then you hit these stairs, and then it was just like a upper-level floor, and then it was more. But, you know, like how they had the numbers, but the number booths, I want to say went up, I want to say 15,000 or something crazy like that. So it was like walking. You you couldn't do it all in just one day. You could have walked around it all in one day, but you wouldn't have been able to say specifically, oh, yeah, I seen this. I saw that. I saw that. But you literally had to break it up amongst three days if you was trying to see everything. All right. So you got got booths and people and just. 87,000 people floating around. What some good things that happened to you on the first day? Some of the first, the first day, um, I just say I had like a lot of interesting conversations because, you know, when you come across like other YouTube celebrities, some of the people you thought would be buttholes were actually down to earth, real cool. And just genuinely like, Hey, tell me what you think. Literally asking me for my opinion. And they're like, Hey, I'm following your content. You got good content. I like it. <laughs> and I was like, hey, thanks. That means a lot. You know, didn't the know other, he was a star. Yeah, honestly, like I told you, I didn't know the impact that I projected, you know, eluded as much as it did. But, uh, but you know, I, I had fun. Like I said, if you follow me on Instagram, you saw the pictures I put up, the videos I put up every now and then, little skits I put up, and those are like, right on the rim. Like there was no thought in that. It was like right then and there hit record and just go with it. I think a lot of people like that little skit I did in the car, you know, with Kevin and my buddy, um, Darrell. Good stuff, uh, man. A couple companies that, that really caught my eye was Enforce flashlight. And I had my eye on this company for a long time. And I was been trying to make a determination which flashlight I want to get. You know, if I want to get one for my handgun, my rifle, or just handheld. I'm not opposed to a flashlight on any platform. It's just I'm I'm not really used to having a flashlight on my handgun, you know. But I feel more comfortable with a flashlight on my rifle. This little character right here, 
700 looms handheld. And I got it. So I was like, yeah, I'm glad I got it, <laughs> you know. And I was always that guy that was get a flashlight, throw it in the back. But this one right here, I don't know how they do it or they, they just put forth the technology to make it easier. Because you know how got other stuff is complicated and you got to hit the button four times to do whatever. This one is real easy. It feels comfortable in your hand. It's not too heavy. You know, it's well organized. So, But I, I really like this flashlight, though. Is that one made to go on the rail of your handgun or just for handheld? No, this is just handheld. But I wouldn't be surprised if somebody comes up with something where you can attach it to the rail of your rifle. But then it goes back to, like, the um, remember when Surefire first started doing that? And it was like... You had the handheld, but it was just an attachment. I wouldn't see why this wouldn't be done the same way, you know. But but their flashlight series is, is more um, ergonomical for your grip because they just got the push pad, like, on the flashlight. So, like, if you got the C-grip or however you want to hold it, it's just like a little lever. And you just push in, the light comes on. All right, cool. What's the name of this company again? Enforce. Yeah, IN Force. All right. Big fan of their products. And I literally, every day, I, I want to say I went to their booth about, about four times every day. Oh, you was a fan. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like I said, I've always liked their products. Anytime, you know, like when I make a purchase on anything, you know, I, I contemplate if I really need it or if I really want it. Because I, I do the whole weighing of want and need. I had to jump on one of these, so very beneficial for everyday use, you know, not just a tactical scenario, you know, driving down the road, get a flat tire or whatever. Hey, you got a light that light up your area of work, you know, do what you got to do, get back on the road, get back to safety. What is the uh, type of battery that it, that it uses? So it just takes those little, those little CR one, two, three batteries. Mm-hmm. So waterproof also, you know, I think it's um waterproof up to like 66 feet. Oh, okay. You know so they they made it um, ideal for a soldier, but um, overall, you know, like it's, it's good for everyday use. All the questions I was throwing at them, they answered them. It wasn't like, oh, Lord, here he come again. It was like, hey, what else you want to ask? Come on. Come on over here. You know, we'll hook you up. Cool, man. Yeah. Spent some time with Dixie, too, right? Yeah, we, we hung out, running around with that guy. That was like a fun time right there. You know, good conversations. and. Uh, He's like you. He knows a little bit of everybody. So he was introducing me to a bunch of people. Great guy. Great guy. Yeah, he is. The post and interview that you did with him is still being checked out. Folks, folks really like that interview. He's a talker with a vision. His whole thing is he wants to get aiming for the truth out there, aiming for the truth. The breakdown of it is common sense to be like, why isn't everybody jumping on this? I think it's one of those platforms, once it really gets out, and people actually see it one or two times, then everybody's going to be like, yeah, I want this. I want that. Let me get it. Cool. Oh, yeah. All right. So the next day or that evening, did you go out to any of the fancy parties and get togethers? Or I went to this Brownells event. It was at a um, cigar bar. Uh, what was the name of it? Cigar, cigar and Guns. I think that's what it was called. That was very unique. But, you know, it's like that's where all the celebrities were. And um, everybody was just sitting there just talking and um, sharing ideas and politic. And, of course, you know, doing the whole, hey, I like this. I don't like this. Or what do you think about this? And um, but it was it was a good get together to actually see people talking about the same interests. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I didn't see anybody tweak out like, oh, my gosh, this is so-and-so. Oh, I'm, I'm in the same presence of so-and-so. I didn't see any of that. So, like I said, it, it was really good. Um, I never really walked into a cigar environment before. I know that's your thing. You would have had a blast there. <laughs> um, I did take a, a picture because um, Hank was doing an interview with the people, um, Hank Strange. Mm-hmm. He was doing a video with one of the workers in the um, the humidifier room. Mm-hmm. Um, this humidifier room, they had a regular room with um, like your average cigars. And then they had a safe humidifier room that you can walk into with the more expensive cigars. But, you know, when I walk in, that, you know, I'm not a smoker. I was like, man, it, it smells really good in here. 
<laughs> so I took a picture of it and I'm like, this face like, oh, wow, this is like <laughs> shocking. <laughs> Got it on Instagram also. But I already knew I was like, man, if you would have been here, I know you would have been like, yeah, I'm going to stay here for a little bit longer. Y'all go ahead and do y'all thing. <laughs> you know, Com- Conversations happen at cigar bars. Yeah, it it was a lot of interesting um conversations there. A lot of interesting conversations. Um like I said, um I talked with a couple um YouTube celebrities and a lot of them was like, Hey, I want to do something with you. Let's let's talk. Here's my card, give me a call, we'll put something together. I was like, Okay, we can do that. Like who? Uh I don't know if you ever heard of one hundred and eighty second ideas. Yeah, this guy is um he is hilarious. <laughs> He is like a comedian. So if you haven't um I seen the I seen the Instagram picture. Yeah. So if you haven't checked out his show, go check out his show. Um he wants to do an interview. So I'm gonna get him on on um Black Man with the Gun podcast on um, one of few days. Straight comedian. I laughed every time we talked. Um that's a, that's a win right there. Yeah, that's a big win. And then you have another guy, um his name was Grand Thumb. Mm-hmm. You know, great guy. He does like um product reviews and um you know, give his ideas and thoughts of whatever he tests and reviews. Another great guy. He wanted to do something. So we're going to talk about putting some stuff together. And if you don't know who he is, if you know who Travis Haley is, it was a joke going around saying he's the son of Travis Haley, (laughs) you know? And I think Travis Haley jumped in on it one or two times and was like, just caught on and everybody thought it was real. But but like I said, overall had some great conversations with um, the people of proper I had a good conversation with them. Had a good conversation with um, um, Fiochi Ammo. Nice. Yes. Good um, people. Oh, man. Those guys at um, Fiochi, they I like, are I like them. so laid back. Yeah, I like them. <laughs> man, I was like, I thought I was cool, but Fiochi's a cool as a fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, like I said, man, next time um, we got to do it. Yeah, also, I met the guy from um, Guns for Hire Radio. Out of um, yeah, New Jersey. Anthony Anthony Calandro. Man, that guy is the real deal. Yeah, he is. (laughs) I like that guy. Like that. So uh, we talked, and um, he had asked if I was willing to come on to his show, and I told him I would. Um, Because like when I first started talking to him, he was like, "You know Ken Blanchard." He said, "That's my (laughs) brother. I know Ken Blanchard." I was like, "Yeah, that's that's my man right there." And then he he pulled out his phone, and I was like, "Okay, is he gonna call or is he gonna text?" Like that. And then when we just sat there and we started talking and then he came back, he said, okay, you verified. You want to get on the show? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that was, that was pretty funny though. It was pretty funny. So, um, real, real cool guy, real cool guy. He, he told me some stories. And I'm sitting there like, are you serious? But at the same time <laughs> I was laughing. I was like, oh my goodness, man, this is somebody I can really vibe with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Man. yeah He has really good people. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but it was, it was a lot of good products out there. Um, a couple people I was trying to see, like I was trying to find a uh, Chris Chang. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote him on Instagram and told him I was going to look for him, but he never got back with me and told me what booths he was going to be at and what time. Ah, uh, okay. Um, it was a couple people who actually told me they seen him, but at the same time, um, you know how it goes sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a huge fan of Chris. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, I, I talked to him a, a couple times, but like I said, it, it's always been on social media. I never talked to him like in person. You know. Yeah, we'll fix that. Oh yeah, I, I think I might be geeked out behind that one though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chris is cool too. Yeah, yeah, real cool, real cool. Ran into the people who I associate with on the regular. You know, um, Kim from Provectus Group, uh, Hank Strange. Um, he was out there. What's his name? John Patton from the Gun Collective ran into him. Iraqi veteran, eight eight eight. Oh, really? Yeah, ran into him. Talked to him. You know, you know them YouTube people. Oh yeah, man. It's like um the way I actually ran into him was when we was at the cigar um at the cigar um Brownells get together. We was, I was gathering the chairs. Me and um Kevin, we was gathering chairs and making a circle so we can have a discussion. And we was going to try to catch it on video, but it was kind of dark, so it didn't really work out. So when we grabbing the chairs, you know, I'm walking around. I saw an empty chair and I was like, yo, is anybody sitting here? And um, the guy was like, no, nah, go ahead. You can take it. So when I went back and get the third chair, 
um, it was a bag leaned up against the chair. And, and I was like, hey, is anybody using this chair? And then um, the one guy who was sitting in the other chair, he just looked at me um, like, I don't know. If it's a big deal, I'm going to take it. But if somebody cries about it, I'll bring it back. Right when I went to go grab the chair, this voice was like, hey, you can take it. Just um, make sure that bag right there, just put it up against the wall. And I turned around, I looked. It was a Iraqi veteran. So I just walked over to him, shook his hand and was like, hey, man, I like your work like that. And we'll talk later. So he was like, OK, sounds good. You know, because he, he had like a group of like 15 people around him. Yeah, it's like so being in a galaxy. And you got all these stars and constellations and planets got their own groups. You know, everybody just clustered around certain people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, like I said, it was it was an adventure. It was really an adventure. You know, I wanted to see because somebody had showed me a picture they had took that somebody had that folding block. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It transforms like like it was a block, looked like a cell phone. Mm-hmm. And whip it out as actual handgun. I was looking for that. Everybody kept saying the booth is not here. Somebody had it and they was walking around showing it. Oh, okay. I was like, hmm, okay, cool. Um, the only people who I was specifically looking for to talk to was um, Tim Kennedy mm-hmm. and um, Chris Chang. Oh, okay. Yeah, so those are the two people I didn't see, but I ran into everybody else. <laughs> that wasn't bad. Oh, yeah. That was a huge event. Huge what was event. the worst thing you saw? Being product or just overall? Just overall. Didn't care to see it again. Sorry you saw it. Negative thing, if anything. Yeah, the, the one negative thing I can actually say is um the food that they were selling within the convention center, it was like overpriced. They was like gouging, like the movie gouging. Um, selling hot dog for five seventy five, you know, and I was like, really, you know. But then too, once you put it in perspective, if you was to go to a restaurant that was within a two mile radius of the convention center, it like a lot of homeless people or you know, however you want to word it, would always come up to you and like, hey, you got a dollar you can spare, you know, you got eighty seven thousand people and everybody trying to go to McDonald's or whatever the case may be. You don't want to get harassed like that constantly. The security portion of it is, yeah, I'll pay five seventy five for a hot dog. What we would do is, um, we would, of course, we would eat before we go there, and then we will eat again once we leave. You know, go to a restaurant. But so, so poverty was a big deal in Dallas. Um, honestly, I don't know if poverty is a big deal in it. I just know when we went to the gas oh, station, panhandlers. Yeah, it was the panhandlers there. And the one morning I stopped by McDonald's just to get, cause it was right there next to the convention center. Um, I just stopped there to get, um, like a cup of power eight, you know, like, let me get a power eight. And, you know, two people just came up to me and was like, Hey, you got some change or a dollar you can spare. If that was an issue for anybody, like I can see the concern because, you know, if you're not from there, you don't know what to expect. But then again, you know, you know, always need to keep your head on the swivel and, you know, your security up. Yeah. yeah, there's there's people who come to events knowing that there's a crowd of people, trade events, conventions, every, all the negatives also come. So that's a that's a thought too. People don't talk about security outside the convention or security outside the the place. Oh yeah, well I can tell you, security on the inside, <laughs> it was on. You know, Argo J, he's doing his um video project called uh, Black Ops. Uh huh. And, you know, he was videotaping, like he'll talk to people, set up his camera, pull people over to him and start talking to him. I guess he wanted to get like an aerial shot of convention floor. So pulled out a drone and the drone started flying and security like swarmed in on him. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was like, really? They, I didn't see it, but they was telling me about it. Like when we went to dinner. Should have had some prior uh, heads up to that, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, the whole security, like I said, I didn't realize security was that tight there because like, even when I was walking around, I didn't see any cameras like in the ceilings or anything. And I had asked that question like, yo, do they got cameras in here? And it was like, yeah, yeah, they got cameras in here. You know, they got security guards walking around in plain clothes, like looking like a fan or whatever case may be. And I was like, oh, OK. And Secret Service. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Secret Service was there. But my whole thing was, um, you know, like how those people, distributors, they'll have like products right there. 
And if you look at it, it really wasn't like anybody was looking at some of the product and you could have just walked by and picked it up and throw it in a bag. And I just saw this one guy, he was looking kind of sketchy. And that's the only reason I asked that question. They was like, yeah, they got, they got security here. It's like top-notch security. So you might put it in your bag, but you ain't going to make it to the door. <laughs> you know? All right. You liked what you saw. You had um, a lot of good interaction with folks. You took a lot of good pictures. Any products? Any products other than the flashlight and the foldable Glock that you saw that was new, that was cool? Um, it was like a lot of apparel that was um, new, proper. They, they kept some new clothing. You know, like the cargo pants. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big fan of the cargo pants. Of course, you know, if you're doing any type of training. And because, um, you know, all the extra pockets you can carry extra stuff with you. And I actually tried on a pair of their pants and I was actually really impressed. You know, they fit. You yeah, they, they fit really good. <laughs> really good. You're, you're a tall dude. So I didn't know whether they had, you know. Yeah. Um, well, you know, like what they actually ended up doing, the pair that I tried on. You know, waist-wise, it was good. It felt comfortable. But if you look at my ankles, they looked a little hot water. We took it back to the yeah, 70s. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. I was like, all right, they're going to be at his knees because Mike is tall, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think the um, the pants that I actually tried on, it was like the waist was like 36, but the length was 32. And, of course, you know, the lady who was helping me, I was like, um... These are not going to work. Well, we can just order them for you and have them melt to your house. And I was like, okay, well, cool. I like that. You know, so the material felt good. Um, felt comfortable on the waist. It's just the length wasn't there. So um, when we got up there and we started ordering it, she was like, well, what size would you like? And I was like, 36, 36. And then she like looked and said, yeah, you are a tall guy. Okay, let's get it. And she said, okay, it'll be to your house. So it was another gun company. You ever heard of this company called, I think it was called Unique AR-15s? Or unique rifles. It was something like that. Did you take an Instagram picture of it? I didn't because at that time my phone was dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hank actually got a picture of it. No, I'm pretty sure if I go on his um his okay. Instagram, I can steal the picture off of it. But this company, they did this like rail on the um, AR-15 of the eagle and the American flag. And it was so much detail into it. It was like very different. So I just, I know the name of the company was unique. It was either like unique AR-15 or unique rifles. That was a unique piece of art that really caught my attention. Nice. Nice. Oh yeah. Um, a lot of knife guys, you know, the knife companies were out there. Mm-hmm. I'm not really a knife guy. Like I could pick it up and tell you, oh, this is this model and this type of steel. Um, it was a lot of knife companies out there. There's a friend of mine out there uh, from Medford Knife and Tool, really sharp dude. He has some really high-end blades. You can, like, punch a drum with this thing. I saw his Instagram. He said he had a good show, so whatever that meant. So that was good. Oh, yeah. I don't know how it worked out, but it seemed like every two hours, it mm-hmm. was always a backup at certain booths. Ah. You know, so, like, you'll walk past one booth two or three times, and the road is, like, the path is clear. But then, like, probably about an hour later, you go there and it's like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. You almost want to push people out your way because they're backed up. But then again, you know, like when people are giving out free stuff, it's always going to cause that chaotic period. They also have special guests. Sometimes uh, the booth will host uh, some celebrity will yeah. be there. Yeah, that's how it was. Um, Coleon had a booth out there also. Mm-hmm. His and, pew pew life thing. Yeah, when we walked over um, to talk to him, we actually walked over there the first time, but we left and then we came back and it kind of died down when we came back. So it was like a little bit more time to talk and everything. Oh, cool. Yeah. He had a large following. Surprised he didn't have security around him. But, you know, like he um, he went to Mossberg. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's how it went with him. Like he was at his booth, went to Mossberg, came back to his booth. And then he went to uh, Federal and then came back to his booth. I think that's how it went for him or something like that. Nice. Yeah, I'm really so, happy for that guy. He's doing well. Oh, yeah. He's doing awesome. And, you know, and it was it was kind of amazing, like, just sitting there watching the different people, like, walk up and, like, they'll buy a shirt. He'll sign it. And they'll be like, hey, let's take a He wasn't, like, one of those guys. I was like, oh, okay. And they throw on a fake smile. 
you know, he was he was real genuine, whereas it was more along the lines of like, hey, thank you, thank you. You want a picture? Like that. Yeah, come on. <laughs> and then like he'll like, you want him in the picture? Let's let's do it. Like very down to earth and real genuine. Yeah. You know, so I think the um, NRA, they picked the right person to mold to the image that they was trying to shape or whatever they was doing. Because um, he's, he's a good hearted individual. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he is. Very down to earth. All right, cool, man. Anything um, outside of that, I do believe that um, you were a showstopper because everybody who stopped me was like, hey, where's Ken? And literally, it was like this looking over their shoulder like, oh, he's going to walk up any moment now. <laughs> you know, but um, no, he had other, you know, activities he had to take care. Of. We need to make time and go to the next one. Where Where is the next one, you know? The next annual meeting, um, I think it's in Indiana. Um, okay. But yeah, like I said, overall, had a great time. All right, cool, man. Yeah, yeah. met my man, uh, Jerry Mishlet. Also, oh yeah, 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 the legend. Yeah, like I said, if it was a range close by, I would have been like, "Hey, your finger ready? <laughs> I'm gonna show you what mine can do." <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I'm, cool. I'm nowhere fast as that guy. You know? No, no, he's like almost inhuman. Yeah, that's what I was like, man. That somebody put a chip in your head or something. <laughs> <when you're born. laughs> like, remember that TV show? What was it called um, the Million Dollar Man or um, Six Million Dollar Man? Million Dollar Man, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's Jerry Mishlick right there. Yeah, oh but I, I met his wife and his daughter also. That's all right, right there. Yeah. Oh yeah, met this little um, competition shooter, little female from Missouri. Alpha Addy is her, her <laughs> handle on social media, and um, she's going to be a bad. force to be. Yeah, she's she's going to be a force to be reckoned with um, when she gets older, and I'm pretty sure JM4 Tactical is going to sponsor her for a long time. Okay. Yeah, because she is like really good, really good. But then again, if you're young like she is, doing what she's doing, and if she stays with it, it's going to pan out for her. It's going to pan yeah. out for her, you know? True that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, little girl, she she was on top of it. Also, I did like Hank's show um, yesterday. Then I did another interview from- um, I love Hank. Oh, yeah. Hank is my man. Um. There's another podcast called Tactical Pay. Oh, yeah. They're new. Yeah. So they, they hit me up and asked me to do an interview with them. So um, I did that with them uh, yesterday as well. But when I was talking to the guy, he he limits his interviews to like 30 minutes. So when we was talking after the recording, he was like, man, I definitely need to get you back because your story is really interesting. <laughs> like, hey, man, whenever you want to talk, just let me know. I'm there for you. You know. But we definitely got to link up and um, link up and do the next show, the next convention. <laughs> Outside of that, that's all I have. All right, my man. All right. So until next time, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun. Back to you, Ken. A few years ago, a friend of mine started this thing called the United States Concealed Carry Association. It's an education, training, and self-defense insurance company now. It's for responsible gun owners. You can get complete peace of mind when you join USCCA today. If you carry a gun for self-defense, you need this. It's a whole package, education, training, and self-defense insurance. Call my friend. The number is one 488 8353 And if you missed that, go to the link at blackmailthegun.com. For US CCA. All right, you guys still with me? All right, our next interview and final piece is from Barbara Baird. This week, I have a good friend, a wise friend, a person I look to for a lot of things. Barbara Baird, welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. One of my big questions from my audience this week that I wanted to answer was when you're reviewing a firearm, um, what are some of the things that you should do? Now, I know that there are a lot of YouTubers, a lot of new podcasters, a lot of folks in social media, bloggers that are, they rush to SHOT Show, they rush to NRA annual meetings, they rush to any event 
where there might be possibility of running into somebody in the firearms industry. And as somebody who has been there, done that, and bought several T-shirts, um, <laughs> I thought I'd just share, since I've learned from you so many times, on how and the best ways to properly review or how it used to be done before everybody was just into Snapchats and, <laughs> and selfies. Yeah, yeah, there's a market for that too, but you have to do the the grunt work, as you know, and so let's just go through a few things if you really want to be a gun reviewer and be taken uh, as a credible gun reviewer. So after you get the gun, which, you know, in the first place, you have to find an FFL that will that will work with you because I have a lot of guns coming in every year, and sometimes that's just not worth their time because they're probably going to ship it back for mm. you too. Mm. So it's good to have a working relationship with someone who has an FFL certificate. So, and the gun company has to know that. Right. So you know that. So that's kind of the first thing is get a good relationship on the ground near where you're going to be doing the reviewing. And then also before you even get the gun, you have to get the ammo because companies will supply the ammo to you for free, but you have to tell them, exactly what you need it for, um, how many rounds you need, when you need it by, and you have to start working that farther out than a, or, you know, further out than a week. So it might take a month or even two to get all the ammo that you need for testing, which, you know, if you're going to have to break this gun in, if it's a new gun and not just a loaner gun that's been out, sometimes I'm like, please let it be a new gun and not one, a gun that's been at gun site. <laughs> Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, with all the grit in it and everything. So um, when it comes in, if it's a new gun, you'll definitely have to think about breaking it in. That could be 500 rounds, three to 500. I'd say more more around five. What would you say? 500. For for most urban stuff, you're, you're in a range of minutes shooting 500 rounds. Yeah. Yeah. So you need to break it in or and you definitely, um, before you even do anything with it, after you get it. Uh, take it apart. Make sure that it has all the pieces. <laughs> Again, if it's a loner gun, I mean, sometimes loner guns have come to me and they'll say, "Oh, there was a there was a red dot on that." Well, no, there was not. <laughs> Those are sometimes things that people take off, or maybe there's only mm -hmm. one magazine and there's supposed to be like two or three. Oh, I thought that you was know, just me. <laughs> no. It's a common complaint. Where's the magazines with this so, thing? Yeah, okay. I know, sticky fingers. Uh, okay. Some people have sticky fingers, and some people don't put all the grips back in. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so man. There's only a big grip or something. I know. what These other gun writers, I'm telling you, I'm taking them to task right here and right now. So so anyway, that's the other thing. Um, you got to make sure you've got all the pieces and then just take the gun apart and clean it, relube it, put it back together, make sure it's all functioning before you take it out. And then you have to decide uh, what does your editor want? Does he want accuracy testing? And if so, what type of accuracy testing? How many yards does he want it at? You know, obviously, if it's a, a rifle, it's going to be 100 yards. But if it's a personal defense gun, it's going to be um, 21 feet or 7 yards. Um, if it's a, a target pistol, maybe 50. It just depends on how are you going to explain the use of the gun. So that's how you want to test it, real world style. But then again, accuracy testing, and you see this a lot too. Especially some of the old boys. It's kind of like, you know, those uh, photos that they have of themselves shooting, like ain't I great kind of photos oh, and yeah. stuff. All macho. It's, the accuracy testing is more about the gun and not your ability to hit a tight group. Because you got to get that gun into a, a sled or a rest or on a bench rest or just to shoot it the same way every time. So that you know that this group is as accurate as possible. So what we do for accuracy testing for Shooting Illustrated and the NRA publications that I write for, we test five rounds five times, five groups. So it's 25 rounds per type of ammo that you get. And you will see big differences sometimes in the spreads. And then what we'll do is for that five-shot group, Ken will measure from the middle of the bullet hole of the two farthest bullet holes on the target. Hmm. That is, if hopefully you can see the five holes right. target, and you haven't had a flyer. And, and this is really, really <laughs> important to use that shooting rest and not trying to be all standing or prone or whatever. That's right. Because it ain't about you. It's about the gun. We're not branding the writer. We're branding the gun. And then, and then there's even more. Then 
I try to I try to use it again in real world after I've done the um, oh well, got to do chronography or chronographing yeah, too. Yeah, that you one know, I've so. never done. I, 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 okay, well, I, I, I watch you do that and go, man, I'm lacking. Oh well, you know, unfortunately, I'm married to someone who has a German chronograph. <laughs> It was acquired after I married him. It wasn't why I married him, but it comes in very handy. So it's a really nice one. So they're in the chat. Some of the editors want you to report back on the velocity of the various ammunition, which some people really are interested mm-hmm. in that. So and they want to know. So they want to know. So we do that too. But now the real world situation. For example, that new shield that just came out from Smith and Wesson. You know they made that. For the market that has problems racking a slide, manipulating a slide. So you and I were taught, we were laughing about this. How come all these big guys are in the photos with these little tiny shields? Like, oh, this was no problem. Get a granny on it. Yeah, it wasn't made for you. <laughs> get a re- yeah, get a real world situation. So that's what I try to do with a gun. If it's if it's made for a woman, if it's made for a child, if it's made for hunting, you know, it's going to be put in that particular audience and that type of testing. Whether I take it out or I lend it to somebody to take it out for a while, that's what I've done before too. I'll lend it to a friend and, that I trust because right, right. <laughs> I want it back <laughs> in one piece. And, uh, you know, I'll just say, hey, when you, when you use it, watch for this. Valuable. So there we go. And then also, you've got to get a holster for that thing, or how are you going to carry it? If it's a personal defense gun, you can't review it without ever drawing it. So there's a lot to think about. There's a lot to set up before you actually get that firearm and start testing it. And then you have to make meticulous notes. You have to keep all of the numbers straight because you know editors are so, uh, so anal about that. Why would they be? But they are. And because they're trying to please ammunition companies as well as gun companies as well as publishers. So um, let's see. Have I missed anything, Ken? I think and you can sit down and write it up. Yeah. Put it all together. Yeah. Make it a story and make it interesting. That's the key. Yeah. The other thing you might want to know is, is this a Gen 5? So if it's a Gen 5, like the new Glock 19, the G19, that's a Gen 5 and 9mm, how is that different from the Gen 4? There are 20 different changes. So this is where you start talking to the engineers at the company, project managers at the company, and you can talk to them, and you can ask them these questions. I wanted to know, why are there three safeties on this shield? There's an internal and a grip, and then a manual, optional manual safety. Wow, safety city. What's going on there? Good stuff right there. Yeah, so I mean, it's just stuff like that. Just think about the stuff and then find somebody at the company and start creating your story. And remember, it's not just you telling the story. I mean, you can get other people to tell it for you, too. You can get the engineers, you can people, the people who designed it, the marketing people, what they're seeing, how is it being received, who's using it, who's going gaga over it. Nice. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing I didn't do, when I started was I didn't, I didn't just boast on you and it's the lazy man's version of having the guest tell their story and how they got <laughs> credibility and all. But I would do you an injustice if I said anything, cause I, I don't know half the stuff that you do and you do a lot. So could you just share um, some of your experiences in, in writing that you've written for that people can find your stuff? Oh, sure. I'm happy to always happy to talk about myself aren't we all here to do a selfie too i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> i'm under the quilt i can't remember right. <laughs> that's the other thing we can tell your listeners i always do a podcast under a quilt just like mike rowe with his podcast the way i heard it which is a great podcast yes, by the is. way so because i don't have i tried the toy closet but the light kept burning out in there this little toy closet walk-in closet we have up here in this bedroom and i kept it starts getting hot, and then you know, that smell. Adventures of podcasting. When the light is about ready. <laughs> the light's going to go out, and you're, af- you're afraid maybe you know, something's going to catch on fire in the toy closet. But, <laughs> but anyway, so now I'm under the quilt. And um, I've been writing, oh, gosh, since about 2000. What is that, 18 yeah. years now? And I've written for, well, all the NRA publications and some other gun magazines and field and stream and outdoor life and stuff and 
uh, they go to me. They they ask me about not just about women's stuff. They used to just ask me about a pink gun or do you think a girl would like this? But now they actually ask me for hunting guide ideas and stuff. So that's pretty cool. And um, so I guess does that answer your question? How that was a real modest version what? of it. But you, you you're like oh. you're like the, the editor and founder of Women's Outdoor News. Oh yeah, I forgot <laughs> about that. <laughs> That's my life. In fact, it's consumed half of my day today. So, the new coloring girl page photo that just got put up. Tell so. us about Women's Outdoor News. Oh, that is all about women who are out there shooting, hunting, fishing, and leading lives of outdoor adventure. And we have more than twenty women around the world who are reporting back in with real life stories. They're really in the field doing these things. And the nice thing about it, it's a blog format. So people can, can ask questions of the women if they have any questions about that particular skill or sport. We'll have Olympians on there and, and first timers who are just figuring out how to attach something to a Jeep. Yes, we have a woman who is out there driving a Jeep using extreme terrain accessories and like the last thing she attached was a dog ramp to it. <laughs> so, That's different. Yeah, so uh, we had 28 million visits last year. It seems to be taking nice. on, so we're happy about that. And we do see that there's a need for women, and especially we're, we're really proud that, Ken, that some of the women who started writing for us, started doing photography uh, for us a few years ago, are now in the major, the major publications yeah. as well. Because they have a body of work now that they can point to and say, see, I can do this. And then the editors say, oh, yeah, we see you can do that. Okay, great. Do it. Well, thank you for yeah. helping us with uh, a better way to review. And sure. I want to get you back to talk about that 380 in detail. Sure. Let's do it. Thanks, All Ken. Right. All right. I've been trying to keep this thing fresh, do a little bit of different stuff every week. I'm hoping it is okay with you. Thank you for joining me again. If there's anything I can do for you, please free, feel free to give me a shout out on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, wherever you see my name. I'm Ken, Ken Blanchard with two N's, and I do that on purpose because there is Dr. Ken H. Blanchard, and uh, I'm not that guy. I'm the other Ken. I'm the one known as the black man with a gun. Remember to do all the good you can. By all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Until next time. Shalom, baby. To keep in touch with Ken and his cause, head over to blackmanwithagun.com. Blanchard.media.